Heavenly Father, it is such a privilege for us to have your word and to have it in our own tongue. And I'm not preaching in Latin here this morning while the common man is not able to understand, but it is in the English tongue that we have your word and I'm speaking in the English tongue so the people here can listen this morning and comprehend what you have said. Lord, we thank you for the book of Genesis. We thank you for what it teaches us about judgment and salvation. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that the book of Genesis may be helpful for us as we consider your judgment and consider salvation. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, have you ever been in a flood? Have you ever lived in Queensland might be another question um, to raise that same issue. Have you ever lived in a flood? Have you ever lived in Queensland? I've never actually been in a flood um, I've never had water come through and flood our house. Last, uh, earlier this year, we did have uh, some sort of leak in the roof, and so water did come in in a large amount into our upstairs bedroom, and the carpet got very damp and uh, very waterlogged. But thankfully, we were able to repair the leak, and with a few fans blowing for uh, pretty much 48 hours constantly on the carpet, there was no further uh, damage, and so we came through that flood, if you call it a flood, uh, fairly easily. But you may be different. You may have actually experienced a flood. You may have experienced where water just kept on coming and coming and coming into your house and getting higher and higher. Or at least you've seen video footage uh, around the world at various times uh, people are in great floods. This morning, I want to look at a major flood, the biggest flood that has ever been known to man, and that is for us, uh, recorded for us in the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis, which most of us learn about from a young age. We learn about this flood with the ark and with Noah in the ark. And so this morning, I want to look at this flood, and particularly, what does the flood teach us of relevance for today? How can this flood be helpful for us? But to know how the flood is helpful for us, we firstly got to understand about what was going on before the flood came, before the flood came in the time of Noah. What was happening in the world? And that's my first main point this morning, is about the state of man before the flood came, and that is that man was sinful. If you've got a church bulletin there, you can see on the back of the bulletin my main points this morning, of which there are eight. Uh, it is unusual for me to have so many, but uh, it is a, a big uh, flood, so I thought I'd have a big flood of main points. But the first one is man was sinful, and we see this in Genesis chapter 6. If you've got a church Bible, that's found on page 6 of your church Bibles, Genesis chapter 6, and I encourage you to have it open as we're going to be working through a lot of Genesis uh, 6, 7 and 8 and a little bit of 9 this morning as we look at this flood. And the first thing, as I said before, we see is that man was sinful. Genesis chapter 6, look at verse 5, little number 5 on page 6 of your black church Bibles. We read in verse 5, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. And then just down in verse 11 and 12, we see a similar thing stated. It says, in verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth 
had corrupted their ways. We see there that people are exceedingly sinful all the time. They are only sinning and it's all the people are sinning. Now, is sin a problem? Well, yes, we see that sin is a problem. It grieved God. What did it say in verse 6? The Lord was grieved that he made made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. It upset God that man was destroying his beautiful creation, not just destroying the creation, uh, the, the animals and things around him, but he was also destroying other people. There was violence going on in the world. They were killing one another and it grieved God. I know sin often doesn't grieve me and I'm sure it's the case for you as well. You like sin. We like sin. We, we enjoy sinning against other people but it never delights God. God is always grieved and moved in pain when he sees people in sin. So in God's grief and his pain, he couldn't let sin go on. He couldn't let it continue. And so we come to our, my second main point this morning, that God promised judgment for sin. God promised judgment for sin. We see that in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 verse 7 says, So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. And then down in verse 17 of the same chapter, I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. God is grieved about sin and he doesn't let it go on. He says there's an end to sin and that's going to be my judgment. I'm going to send floodwaters and destroy all of creation, all of my animals, all of my birds, and including all of the sinful humanity that is on the earth. So God promised judgment for sin. But is judgment the only thing that God promised in Genesis chapter 6 as we see how violent man is on the earth. No, is there no hope? Well, yes, God did promise something else. And that brings me to my third main point this morning. God promised a way of salvation. God provided a way of salvation, a way of being saved for a man called Noah. Who is Noah? Well, we see Noah introduced in verse 8 of Genesis chapter 6. What does verse 8 say? But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Who is Noah? Noah was a righteous man, verse 9 tells us, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, how would God look after Noah? We see this man Noah introduced. How is God going to save Noah? Well, it's with an ark, a great big boat. And we see that in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 6. We read, So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. This is God's way of salvation for Noah. It is 
There's going to be this great big boat, and it is a very big boat. Uh, different people have made attempts to try and produce replicas of this, or at least part of it, to demonstrate how big the boat actually is. And it is going to be the way of salvation. It is the way that Noah is going to be preserved when these flood waters come. Whenever floods come, you see the people who survive are the ones that generally have a boat. But this is a major flood that's coming. It's going to wipe out the whole earth. And so it needs to be a very big boat that he needs to be in, that is going to be safe in. But how could Noah know for sure that he was going to be saved in this boat? How could he know that God was going to keep his word about this way of salvation? Well, we see that God made a covenant with Noah, a special promise with Noah in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 6. Verse 18 of Genesis chapter 6 says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. God makes this covenant with Noah. A covenant is a promise, a a, a binding agreement between two parties that something will happen. And God says to Noah, I'm going to save you. And so you know that I really will, I'm going to make this covenant, this special promise with you. And so you can trust that I will save you. What did Noah do when he's told about this way of salvation? Did he mock it and say, no, I'm not interested? No, we see that Noah followed God's instructions. And we see that in verse 22 of Genesis chapter 6. What does it say in verse 22? Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And then down in chapter 7 verse 5, what do we read about Noah again? And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. Noah was faithful in response to God's promise. God made this promise and Noah trusted in God and did what God had given him to do. He was one who did all that the Lord commanded him. So then the question is, did this judgment come? Did this salvation come? Or were these empty promises from God? Well, we see in the rest of the text that no, God's promise did indeed come. These are not empty promises. And so that's my fourth main point this morning. God's promise, judgment and salvation came. God's promise, judgment and salvation came. We see God was true to his word about the judgment. We see that in chapter 7, verse 10. Chapter 7, verse 10. We read, And after the seven days of the floodwaters came on the earth, in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the seventh day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heaven were opened. Water came from below, water came from above. And rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. And then down in verse 17, we see the extent of the flood as well. Chapter 7, verse 17. 
the judgment came. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. That shows how high the floodwaters came. All the mountains, and not just covered, but covered to a depth of 20 feet, which if, you don't, if you're not American and don't know how, many, uh, how, how long or how high uh, 20 feet is, the, the footnote gives you in the NIV translation, it says, verse 20 down the margin, you see the little letter A, tells you to drop down. Hebrew, 15 cubits, uh, that's in the Hebrew language, but then that's about 6.9 metres. The flood did indeed come, and it covered the mountains. And then it says in verse 21, it says the extent of the damage that was done. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind, everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out, men and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. I thought it was bad running my fans for 48 hours after a small flood one day. 150 days, water just kept on coming. Half a year, just Come on, water, 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 again and again. God's judgment did indeed come. But did God's salvation also come? Well, yes, we'd see that Noah was indeed shut into the ark. Uh, Verse 16 of chapter 7 of Genesis says, The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. God shut Noah into that ark. And then we see that uh, Noah survived. The flood. We see in chapter 8, verse 1, we see that God brought Noah through the judgment of the water. We read in verse 1, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed, and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. And on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. And it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find no place to set its feet because there was water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. Is he going to be saved? Is there going to water recede? But then it's seen verse 11, When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. 
Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number upon it. So Noah came out, together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the earth, came out of the ark, one kind after another. We see Noah came through that judgment. God preserved him, brought him through. And then God doesn't just bring him through the judgment, bring him out onto dry land. Then God makes a special promise to him that he won't judge him in that same way again. We read in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 8. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. We see he's come through and now he's given this promise that he will not be judged in that same way again. And then God even blesses him. We see in chapter 9, verse 1 to 3, he continues to bless Noah, not just by bringing him through the judgment, but after the judgment. Verse 1 says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground, and upon all the fish of the sea that are given into your hand. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So wonderful that we can now eat meat um, that is no longer vegetarian, that we have that Noah was given the ability to eat meat here, that it was a pleasing thing for him to eat meat. Uh, God greatly blessed Noah. He didn't just bring him through the flood. He also brought him out, made promises to him, and then blessed him. So we see in this account of Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9, we see that man is sinful. And so God brings judgment, but he also brings salvation. God kept his word. He, when he says he's going to judge, he judges. And when he brings salvation, he, and when he says he's going to bring salvation, he brings salvation. So how is that helpful to you? This is all very interesting historical reading. But how is it helpful to you? Well, the flood narrative in Genesis serves as a warning for us all. It serves as a warning for you. That brings me to my fifth main point this morning. Man is still sinful. Man is still exceedingly sinful. And the Bible makes this clear. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3, page 1114, 1114 of your black church Bibles. Romans chapter 3, 1114. Romans chapter 3, verse 9 where we get one of the clearest statements in the Bible about the condition of man, which is basically 
Paul pulling together a bunch of statements from the Old Testament about how sinful we really are. Romans chapter 3, verse 9, page 1114 of the Black Church Bibles. Paul says in verse 9, What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or whether you're a non-Jew. We're all under sin. And then he says in verse 10, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. It's a clear statement about the state of the human heart, and it's so true about myself and about your lives as well. If you will open up your eyes to your own sinful state, you will see that these words in Romans are indeed true. If you open up the newspaper, you can quickly see that it is true of people in the world, but you should also examine your own heart and see that you are not righteous either. And that is a scary thing because we know that God cares about sin. He grieves over sinners, causing sin in this world, and his heart is filled with pain, as we saw in Genesis, about the sin that is going on in the earth. The question is, does God still care about sin today? Yes, he does. God still cares about sin. He grieves about every time you sin against him. And he warns that he is going to bring judgment again. That brings me to my sixth main point this morning. God still promises judgment for sin. God still promises judgment for sin. Just turn back to Romans chapter 2, one page before, if you're on the Black Church Bibles, verse 5. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. God does indeed promise judgment for sin even today. Verse 5 we read, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour, And immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. We are all evil creatures and God has promised that all who are evil, there will be wrath and anger from him. There is a judgment coming for our sin. That's terrible news. If that was all the Bible had to tell us about ourselves, it would be terrible. Shows us our sinfulness, shows us the God's judgment against our sin. But thankfully, that's not all that the Bible teaches us. It tells us that there is a hope. There is, like in the days of Noah, another ark. There is a way of salvation. And that's my seventh main point this morning. God still promises a way of salvation. There is a new ark. What is that ark? It is Jesus Christ. Jesus' death at the cross absorbs the wrath of God so that we can go free. And Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 3 as well. He tells us in Romans 3, 
about how sinful we are, but then he tells us wonderful news in verse 21 of Romans chapter 3. If you read the book of Romans, Romans 3.21 is the turning point. There's a great but at the beginning of verse 21 where he says, but now a righteousness from God, not from you but from God, apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, made right, that word justified means, made right freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Jesus' work at the cross is the way of salvation. It is the promise of salvation that God has given us. And so if we trust in Jesus, there is no condemnation for us. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't need to be in a physical ark anymore to be saved. You need to be in what? In Christ Jesus. If you don't want to be condemned by God, you need to be in Christ. He is the new ark that you need to be in. Just as the waves of God's judgment washed over the ark and he was, Noah was protected with his family inside the ark, so the waves of God's judgment and wrath and anger sweep against Jesus as he's there at the cross. And if you are in Jesus... Those waves of judgment do not hit you. Those waves of judgment have no power over you because you are not condemned, because Christ was condemned for you. He was judged for you. He experienced the judgment of God. Now, how do you know that this will be true? How do you know that when judgment day comes, when God returns to judge the world, that you will be safe if you're inside Christ? Well, just as God made a special promise to Noah and said, I will save you, I'm making a covenant with you, so God has made a covenant with us as well in Jesus. In Romans 9, verse 15, we read, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. God has made a special promise with us, saying, I will indeed bring judgment, but I will indeed bring you through it, through Christ. You will be safe. So the question then is, how do you enter into the ark, the new ark that is Jesus? How do you get inside? How do you get saved from God's judgment? How do you get to be a part of that new covenant? Well, like Noah, you need to be obedient. You need to do what God tells you. And what does God tell you to do? To believe in his son. That's what Romans 3.21 told us, that we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. We are told in verse 22, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. What do you need to do? You need to believe. You need to trust that Jesus Christ died for you. If you do that, then you will be saved. You are part of God's new covenant. Faith in Jesus saves. 
If you trust in Jesus Christ, you will be safe and you'll be commended for the faith that you have. Just like Noah, he trusted in God and it was he received the righteousness of God and received salvation. We read in Hebrews chapter 11 about Noah. The author of Hebrews talks about Noah. And what does he say about Noah? He says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things were not yet seen. He didn't see the flood coming, but by faith, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah trusted God and was saved. You need to trust God and be saved as well. Heed his warning that there is a judgment coming and trust that Jesus is the way of salvation. But you may be saying, well, will God's judgment really come? Will it come? I can't see his judgment coming. Will it really come? Is God making empty promises? Well, that brings me to my eighth main point this morning. God promised judgment, God's promised judgment and salvation will come. It will indeed come. The judgment of God and salvation from God has not yet come, unlike the flood in Genesis. This is not a history lesson in Romans 3. It's talking about the future. When it talks in Romans 2, verse 9 and 10, that there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. That's not history for us. That's talking about the future, and it will come. But there will be salvation as well. The Bible tells us again and again, salvation from God will come. We will go to a new earth. Just like Noah came out to a new earth after it had been wiped out with the flood, a different earth and was blessed there, we come to a new earth. Revelations 21 says in verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. This earth is going down, but we're going to a new earth. He continues, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. It is trustworthy and true. There is a new earth that will be made and you will go into it and it will be better than the earth that Noah was saved for. Because if you continue reading about Noah, we see that the problem of sin is still present in the world. But in the new world, the problem of sin will be removed. There will no longer be sin. There's no death, there's no mourning, there's no crying, there's no pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And people who are brought through that judgment into the new world, will they're promised that they will never be judged in that They'll never be judged again because there's no more sin. Just as Noah received a promise that judgment wouldn't come and a flood again, so we receive the promise that in, in heaven, it's not as though we're going to sin again there and then have it face another judgment and we'll be damned in another way. No, we will be safe for all eternity. So this morning I want you to learn from Noah and flee the coming judgment like he did. Don't pretend that the judgment will never come. God is bringing judgment to this world. 
Second Peter 3 speaks very specifically about this. Second Peter chapter 3, page 1205. It's worth looking up. Page 1205. Peter makes application from the lesson of Noah. The same application I'm trying to make to you today. 1205 of the Black Church Bibles. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 where we read, First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Can you see what he's doing? He's saying people scoffed about the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, people still scoff today, but they forget about Noah and the lesson we learn from then. And so we continue to read in verse 8, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why has God not come back yet? He's being patient. He's giving you time to repent. Then we read in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live as holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. We can learn a lot from Noah because we're tempted to be exactly like the people were in the days of Noah. They said, flood what flood? You might be sitting here this morning and saying, judgment what judgment? The earth keeps on rolling round, moving round. No judgment's coming. You forget what happened in the past, this historical record that we're given in Noah about God and his promises of judgment and that they do indeed come true. God has made a new ark, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you must be in it to to survive God's wrath against sin. If you try to build any other boat, you are undone. If you try to make any other ark than Jesus Christ, you are undone. What can be other arcs? Other religions, false religions that teach you a way of salvation that is not true, a way that has not been authenticated as God has authenticated the way of salvation through his son by raising Jesus Christ from the dead to prove that Jesus is the way. What's another arc you might try to use? Your own good works. We so often think if I'm... I'm I'm bad, but I'm not that bad, and I do some good stuff. And we make our works, our good works, into some sort of insulation from God's wrath. But that perishes because, remember, our sins are terrible sins. And it doesn't matter how good you are, 
They don't make up for the good that you do. We see this even in the society that we live in. If you do something wrong, if you kill someone, and then you go to the judge and say, but I didn't kill anyone in the previous days of my life, all those good days should make up for that one day where I killed someone. The judge doesn't accept that. You're not meant to kill anyone full stop. And it's the same with God. You're not meant to sin once. As soon as you sin once, you deserve God's judgment. And so you need an ark to get in so that when God's judgment comes against you for even just one sin, you are safe. You need to be inside Jesus Christ. No other ark that you might create with your own works or by trusting in other religions will not save you. A new ark has come and that is in Jesus. Are you in it? There is still time for you. It's wonderful that God's judgment didn't come yesterday if you're a non-Christian sitting here this morning because he has given you today to repent. Will you do it? Will you turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ so that you are in that new ark? Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have indeed warned us of the coming judgment. You have shown us our sinful state and told us that you are grieved by our sin and will be wrathful toward us for our sin. But Lord, we thank you that you've also told us that there is a way to survive your judgment, and that is in your Son. Lord, we pray that all of us may be found in Christ on Judgment Day that the waves of wrath that we deserve have already been swept over Christ and he has endured the pain that we deserve for our sin for all eternity. He has already taken it away. Lord, we pray that we may not keep this to ourselves either, but we may warn others to flee from your wrath and flee into Christ. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.